news and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Just got off the phone with my family back home, and we are... uh uh, it is bad. I've got the video I'll be posting on social media out of my brother's back window when my sister-in-law is there at the house with my mom and her kids. My brother's out deployed looking at storm surge and was going to be there for search and rescue. Um, but it's 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 a big storm that's hitting southwest Florida. Um, we got to get to some serious business here in Arizona. More than 800,000 people in Arizona are eligible for student loan forgiveness. But then the headline says a lawsuit could block relief. Uh, the administration would give forget would forgive ten thousand dollars of student loan debt only for undergraduate degrees for borrowers that earn less than one hundred and twenty five thousand or two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year as a married couple. That's not people that aren't able to pay a loan. I'm sorry. This is they're, they're talking about this costing um, half a trillion dollars minimum. Um, in Arizona, approximately 886,000 past, present, and cur- current schoolgoers hold $31.7 billion in student loan debt. Um, I feel bad for anybody that has got a student loan. I do. But people pay them. And just like every other loan, um, when when I was young, I'm sure some of you have done it. Maybe we've done it even when we've gotten older. Um, you get a credit card, you think you're going to pay it off, you run it up, and you realize I don't I don't have the money to pay this. I'm I'm going to make minimum payments on this. So when I borrowed a thousand dollars on a credit card, it's going to end up costing me five thousand dollars to pay back by the time I'm done, or whatever it is is the interest compounds. Um, People in small businesses take out small business loans. That's not being forgiven. This student loan forgiveness to me is a slap in the face to anybody that's ever paid for their own education or paid off their own student loans. It is a slap in the face. When you have got married couples that are making $249,000 in combined income and we're forgiving student loan debt, you tell me that's only helping poor families. It isn't. It is not. And the requirements there. You don't even have to have graduated. If you dropped out, if you went if you went to college and you decided I want to be a student and you went and partied it up and dropping out of school because you didn't weren't making good grades, you still get student loan forgiveness. It is a horrible idea. It is a terrible program. It's going to add to inflation. One of the big things they said was going to help with inflation is deficit reduction. They bragged about how much they've reduced the deficit, and then they take a piece of that deficit reduction, if you believe it's true, and you have to believe it's true. I don't necessarily, but if you do, they're going to take part of that deficit reduction and spend it. That is, in anybody's household, that is a poor way to manage money. It is an insane way to spend taxpayer dollars. And what you're saying to the people that have paid their loans back, what do you say to them? I mean that sincerely. How many people have struggled? I've talked about my friend Ron growing up. He was a very responsible kid. He went to a community college. And when during a spring break, during Christmas break or winter break, whatever you call it, every break that they had, he worked. He worked as a waiter. He took every shift he could. He piled money aside and he paid for his education. After two years at a community college, he went on to a university. He went on to law school and he became a very successful guy. But I remember this guy when I was out having a good time because I was working. I wasn't going to school when he I was uh, out having a good time after work. 
he was going to school after work. Or I should say he was going to work after he went to school. When school wasn't in session, he worked and worked and worked and worked and didn't do anything. Saved money. Set it aside. So that he could pay for his own school. What do you say to those people? That's the problem here. This being billed is we're somehow bailing out people that can't make their student loan payments. And when this when this all starts coming out, you, those are the people that will be highlighted. You're going to see kids that are making almost no money, and they're going to say, look at these people, and this is who it benefited, and this $10,000 relief is such a great thing. It's too, If you're a married couple – Making $249,000 a year, you still get this forgiveness. That's that's crazy in what we're doing. And uh, I I, I maintained before, I'm going to continue to say this. We need to do a better job of being stewards of the taxpayer dollars. Now, younger people think this is a great idea because they're the ones that are going to be forgiven. But I will say to them, with all due respect to the young people who are going to have their loans forgiven, Someone else is going to pay this, like me. We will pay for this with American tax dollars. And I've had people say to me, you're not paying for this. Yes, I am. I pay taxes. Taxpayer dollars pay for this. And as we move forward, everybody that believes they're being forgiven $10,000 now, you will be paying for the rest of your life on that debt. You understand that the American debt is costing everybody. It's cost me. It costed my parents. It's getting worse. It's going to cost. And this isn't just a a Republican thing uh, or a Democrat thing. Republicans have done the same thing with these crazy deficits. My grandchildren, oldest of which is 11, in 10 years, he's going to be paying on this. So are the other um, four behind him in line. We are putting this on the backs of our grandchildren. And if you think that when you are seeing a $10,000 reduction that somehow you're saving money, in the end, you are going to pay. Everybody is going to pay. This is a horrible idea. The, the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, is saying it's, it's a bad idea, unless, of course, you like a ton of spending. It's just – it's another program that's just failing. And I don't understand why we – as citizens, aren't screaming more about this. I, I don't want to see people saddled with debt for the rest of their life. And I'm proud of to see people that go to college and better themselves and get a better job. But if you're going into a college degree that doesn't make you enough money to pay off your debt, then you shouldn't go through that degree program. I mean, we all make financial mistakes. If you can't afford a new car, you shouldn't buy a new car. If you are going into a field, if you say, I want to get a degree, I'm going to get an art degree. Now, there's nothing wrong with an art degree. But how are you unless you have a plan of how that art degree is going to feed your family and is going to or an art history degree. Let's go there. An art history degree. Unless you believe that you found a way to make that art history degree pay you enough money to pay back your student loans, you shouldn't take out student loans for that degree. I mean, it is that simple, isn't it? If somebody says we're going to give you a credit card and it's got 23% interest on the credit card and you have a $1,500 limit and you run it up to $1,500 and you realize my minimum payment is more than I can pay, you made a mistake. And they shouldn't necessarily forgive your debt. 
And isn't it interesting? Here's another interesting thing about student loans. If you go back, I know this happened to a few people. I know some people that had to file bankruptcy. You know that the only thing that they couldn't wipe out through bankruptcy in the whole process was their student loan debt? Isn't that, isn't that fascinating? That if you file bankruptcy, the money you owed the government wasn't wiped out. Now, they're giving, it, they're giving forgiveness to people that are making up to two hundred and fifty grand as a couple. I find it fascinating. All right, coming up in a moment, uh, retailers, how are they fighting theft? And I spent some time with some great cops yesterday. I want to tell you some of the details, so I'll do that coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show this morning. Um, a couple of headlines that got me thinking about this topic this morning. Best Buy and Home Depot are locking up goods to fight theft. We are seeing smash and grabs happening all over the country. The video the other day, I believe it was in Philadelphia. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. But there were a bunch of kids that stormed into a Wawa, which is a convenience store on the East Coast, uh, stormed into and just destroyed the place, throwing stuff, just, just completely destroyed this this store. Uh, we know that Starbucks has closing locations in L.A. We know that the 7-Eleven Corporation recommended that the L.A. area stores close because they can't make any money because more people are stealing than they are buying things. And it's got me thinking on this topic. Um, yesterday, I was off yesterday, and for those of you that uh, don't know why, I'll tell you, I was asked to um, to uh, narrate, is the, I guess would be the word, I was asked to speak and give out the awards or read off the awards at the, it's called ASGIA, the Arizona Gang Investigators Association had their conference. It was over 600 gang cops in this room. And uh, I got to tell you, first of all, thank God they're on our side. Uh, let's be, let's start right there. Thank God they're on our side. But these are some, uh, these are some great cops. These are some cops that do really dangerous work on gathering intel and undercover work and, and stuff. And obviously, I'm not going to be posting pictures um, unless they give me some to post because there are just a lot of people that are undercover and they're going to keep it that way. But this is a coalition. This is a they they. Um, their motto is out of many we are one and um they are singularly focused but they do it in so many different areas and they support each other and there's ongoing training and intelligence gathering that goes on to try to stop these criminal syndicates and giving out these awards yesterday um hearing stories of of investigators and people that are analysts and people that work in the prosecutors offices all working together to disrupt gang violence and gang crimes and the differences they're making in communities uh, one of the awards they gave out, and I believe it was one of the awards um, that is, it's a, they give it a, like an intervention award, was to a cop um, on the Tohana Odom Nation that started a program to intervene so that young people don't get pulled into the gang life and for young people that are in the gang life to get them out if they want out. And it's been very successful over the years, and this guy started this program, and he got an award yesterday. Um 
And so to be around them and say these are people that are laser focused on a major issue um, and there's gangs. Unfortunately, there are gangs and very dangerous gangs that are affiliated with national gang syndicates all over the state of Arizona. It's not just a problem in the major metropolitan areas. Mojave County sees it. Yavapai County sees it. Pinal County sees it. Um, and so this idea nationwide that we are watching crime go up, we are. We've got to redouble our efforts. As citizens, we have to redouble our efforts. And what I mean by that is we have to be willing to go out on a limb. And we have to make sure the people that we elect to office keep their word. I ask people, what kind of a city do you want? What kind of a state do you want? And I don't want to see people locked up and throw away the key. I don't want to build more prisons than schools and all these platitudes of politics. But what I want people to understand is if there are going to be men and women, and I met so many of them yesterday, if there are going to be men and women, they're going to stand up and say, I will deal with the most dangerous among us. These are people um, uh, – What? there's a gang called Anybody Killer, meaning they'll kill anybody. Intervene. If you remember in recent history, there was a Phoenix officer, and, and I believe she was there yesterday. I didn't meet her. Um, she was investigating gun crimes and gang crimes in South Phoenix, and she was ambushed. And only because of her years of experience and presence of mind was she able to get her vest on. Because when you're undercover, you're not wearing a bulletproof vest. That's not undercover anymore. But she saw these guys coming with guns, and she was severely injured, but she was not killed because she was able to get her vest on. If there are people out there, and I can, I can assure you, there are really good men and women out there that are willing to stand up to fight this fight so we don't have to, so that our towns and our neighborhoods are not overrun by gang violence. We have an obligation, in my opinion, we have an obligation to elect people in prosecutors' offices, to elect so that they will then, um, I would say, enthusiastically prosecute these cases, that we will have enough investigators in the county attorney's office or prosecutor's offices so that they can fully investigate these cases and bring them to trial and convict people. And we have to have enough cops, and they have to be equipped. They have to have what they need. We all say, and I think we do, we all say we support law enforcement or we support public safety. I believe that to be true. But there comes a time when we have to put those words into real action. And it isn't a parade, although that would be great if we did one. It isn't telling police officers we support them or buying their lunch when we see them. Sometimes it means we have to be active politically and we have to talk to law enforcement. Look at the difference that was made by the defund the police movement. They were organized. They were aggressive. And I don't mean that in a bad way. And they made sure that elected officials heard their message loud and clear and very often that we want police departments defunded. They were wrong. And the results have been disastrous in some places. But you see what that kind of activism does. So I would say, very respectfully, we should be doing the same thing on the opposite. We don't have to be violent. We shouldn't be violent. We don't have to yell and scream. We shouldn't yell and scream. But we should be forceful. We should be a force to be reckoned with. There should be large numbers of us. 
at council meetings and telling cities and the town council and the county board of supervisors or anybody else that wants to run for an office that public safety better be a priority, that you better be funding our police departments. The cops better have all the equipment they need, all the people they need and all the support they need, that when they make cases, those cases will go to trial and criminals are going to be convicted. That's how we turn this around. And I've never been more um, compelled to, to this cause than I am today after spending so much time with people doing some of the most dangerous work with the most dangerous people in our communities. These are dedicated men and women that are so dedicated that they spent a week learning more and more and more about how to be better and better and better at stopping gang violence. So let's get behind him. I think it's something we really need to do. Coming up in a moment, the Senate is moving ahead with a short-term spending bill. I'll give you details next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time uh, sending messages and emails. I got some videos from my sister-in-law out of their back back window in Fort Myers, Florida. I'll be posting some videos. They're uh, upwards of 100-mile-an-hour winds as now they are less than 30 minutes from landfall, direct landfall in the Fort Myers, the southwest Florida area between Naples. I would say Naples up to Port Charlotte. If you know that area, if you don't, you can find it on a map, but it's all over the place. Uh, making direct landfall, Sanibel Island, where I worked for four or five years is on Fox News right now. Uh, CNN has Naples on their screen, and there's major flooding in Naples, south of where the storm is, but where the eye of the storm is, where the winds are so bad, but south of that, on the lower half of the storm, because it spins counterclockwise, is where you push that storm surge on shore. There are parts of Naples, Florida, that I'm looking at right now with um, water up to the windows of vehicles. Uh, Sanibel Island has got huge winds and debris in the road and not complete flooding, but it looks like it's under about five, six inches of water in the streets. They expect that to get much worse. So we'll be giving you updates throughout the morning as this is something that's very important to me growing up in that area. My brother's a cop there. He's out doing search and rescue or will be very soon. And the rest of my family is kind of hunkered down at the house. I'll be posting some videos in just a little while. So I appreciate your prayers uh, if you would do that for my family and uh, I'll keep you updated. The Senate is moving ahead with a short-term spending bill. Uh, Joe Manchin's back provisions have been removed. If you remember the deal that was made, there was a deal that was made, and now the deal's gone, and people are angry about it. The bill would fund the government through December 16th to give negotiators more time to work out their differences and agree on a government spending for fiscal 2023. Uh, moments before a procedural vote Tuesday night, Joe Manchin asked, and Democrat leaders agreed, to drop a hard-fought provision on permit reform. Now, this is uh, – and I'm going I'm to read this quote from Manchin where he said, um, it's unfortunate that members of the United States Senate are allowing politics to put the energy security of our nation at risk. The last several months we have seen firsthand the destruction that is possible as Vladimir Putin continues to weaponize energy. A failed vote on something as critical as comprehensive permitting reform only serves to embolden leaders like Putin who will see America uh, see America fail. For that reason and my firm belief, firmly held belief that we should never come to the brink of a government shut down over politics, I asked the Majority Leader Schumer to remove the permitting language from the continuing resolution we will vote on this evening. So, um, 
the problem with this is we are also now telling the world that we're not going to do anything to improve the way we drill for, pull oil out of the ground, refine. We are sending bigger and bigger messages to the fossil fuel industry and telling them you have a target on your back. And for the the big conversation obscene profits and I, I don't I want to get down the road too far with this anymore. I'm going to combine the two again. Um, when it comes to schools, when it comes to education and colleges, look at Arizona in the last 10 years and how dramatically tuition has increased. And no one in the Biden administration is saying you got to lower your prices. You have to lower the cost of education. And what's funny is if you look at some of the people, if you look at uh, uh, de Blasio, the former mayor of New York, I think he was just hired at Harvard. I believe he's teaching a class there. Uh, we know that Elizabeth Warren makes, I think, $450,000 to teach classes. It is amazing that all of these people that go after the rich, that hate the rich, are doing this in education. Now, I will tell you that if you're a popular professor, people are paying a lot of money to sit in one of your classes. That does very well for a university in enrollment. That's why they pay these people that much money. Um, What is fascinating about it is no one is screaming you have to drive down the cost of education. No one is saying you're making obscene profits. Look at the budgets of these universities. Look at what they're – no one's doing that. What they're doing is saying we have to forgive student loan debt. On the other side of this, when it's uh, private enterprise, when you talk about the oil companies and the food growers, and these people are making obscene profits, they should lower their prices for the American people during this time of crisis. Why aren't we saying that to the people that provide higher education? Why isn't the president of the United States saying to the people that are running our universities across the country at a time when education is critical, where we have fallen behind the rest of the world, when things like this are happening and we are seeing ourselves with less and less money because of inflation, why aren't you dropping your prices so people that are disadvantaged have a better chance at college? Can you explain to me why they go after private industry? They go after the fossil fuel industry. Matter of fact, I keep saying Fetterman, the guy that's running for Senate in, uh, in Pennsylvania, he wants to round them up and put them in prison. I'm talking about executives in the oil industry and in the food growing industry. Wants to lock them up for profiteering. Nothing about higher education. It, it's, it's hypocrisy. But the biggest issue for me with this is – we could be doing something to make it easier for the fossil fuel industry to produce the energy we need while we still need it. You're already pushing us toward electric vehicles, which we'll talk about as the future goes on about the effectiveness of that and saving anything in the planet whatsoever when they become more efficient than gas vehicles and how many thousands of miles you have to drive one before they catch up and become more fuel efficient. That's all a great conversation. But right now, We're seeing gas prices tick back up again. Now this happened. What happens when we stop pumping oil out of the strategic reserve? Ticks back up again. So we're going at a time where food prices and necessities and rent and everything are very, very high. Fuel prices are ticking up a little bit. And we just sent a message to the rest of the world that we are not going to change our policies to ease any of that even a little. We know that OPEC has already said they are going to drive down, at least temporarily, they are going to drive down production. And we aren't doing anything to offset that. 
nor do we have the capabilities to do it. So the price of oil will go up. I mean, it's just that's how the market works. I'm no genius. I'm not an economist. But I watch. I've been watching this for years. And we're in trouble. I just think we're in trouble. In a moment, we are going to talk about Arizona schools specifically. A civics exam must be passed in order to graduate from high school. It's a new law that affects the class of 2026. Is it a good idea? We'll talk about that coming up in a couple of moments. And strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Going to have an update at 11.05. Looking forward to this conversation. Uh, Christina Carilla is over at Fox 10, and she um, she has been there now for a while. She's partners with John Hook in the afternoon doing the uh, the afternoon news. I, they're phenomenal. And um, I've never met her in person, but she worked in Fort Myers as a news anchor. And so I want to talk with her about the Fort Myers area and get an update. She's not in Fort Myers. Myers, but I want to get an update with her about the Fort Myers area and talk about the hurricane damage. So we're going to talk with her coming up just after 11 o'clock. Arizona high schoolers are going to be required to pass a civics test. I, I can't stress enough um, how important I believe this is. Um, if you've not heard of the Joe Foss Institute, you should look them up. They're based here out of Arizona. And they are the ones that are pushing across the country and letting state legislatures who don't know that it's not already a rule, making it a rule. And it is now a law in Arizona that high school students will have to pass a basic civics exam. And it's a lot like the exam. And I believe it is the exam that a naturalized citizen has to pass so that they understand our form of government. You don't have to like it. You don't have to like one party or the other. Doesn't tell you what party to be a part of. But it is a test to make sure you understand the form of government form of government we have and how it works. The idea that a lot of young people don't understand what the three branches of government are, they can't describe what each one of them does. They couldn't tell you that, never mind naming all nine, but they couldn't tell you that there are nine Supreme Court justices. That to me is tragic. That here we are, um, that I think most of us agree. Um, you'll have to, most of us would agree that we are, I would say we're the greatest country the world's ever seen. And I think a lot of Americans feel that we are a great nation. We talk about freedom. The land of the free and the home of the brave in our national anthem. And we have a constitution that empowers the people. It does not it, – well, I should say we have a constitution that limits the government. It's assumed that the power is with the people. That's pretty unique. The constitution doesn't lay out what the government can do. It limits what the government can do. And any power that is not expressly given to the federal government is assumed to be the power of the individual states. We are 50 states that has a federal federal government. It is not the other way around, and that's an important distinction. To teach lessons not of politics but of, of um, form of government – is how could that not be a part of who we are in your social studies curriculum when you have to you know when you have to study social studies of any kind you get world history you get american history how do we not have a civics class i took a, a civics class in high school um there was another one we called it, it was a versus c which is americanism versus communism um which now would be considered indoctrination i guess um 
But I think it's a great idea. I think it is something that is the core of what we should know. And the people that push back against this make me laugh because I think of all of the nonsense that's being taught in schools. You're saying this is taking away from the core. No, I think the core that we should know in our schools, reading, of course, math, of course, civics, science. You know, history is such a big part of all of this, and we waste time and money in these other areas. And that's the reason why, and, and I, I would say, thankfully, the it looks as if, and I don't know that we've gotten, I, don't, I haven't seen, it may be out there, I've been so focused on this hurricane, um, that uh, maybe it's been official, but it looks like the proposition that they were trying to get on the ballot that would stop the ESA expansion is not going to make it. I'll tell you where the tragedy in this is. I think the people that tried to get that proposition on the ballot knew when they turned in their signatures, they didn't have enough signatures, but they were able to go to a judge and get an injunction to stop this from going into place. That's tragic. They knew they were going to fail, but they stopped it for as long as they could. That tells you everything you need to know about how they manipulate the system when they do this. So, um, and that's an opinion, by the way. It's my opinion that they knew they didn't have enough signatures, that they weren't going to be able to pass muster with their signatures. But there are parents, parents are clamoring for options. And I harp on this all the time. The reason why parents are clamoring for options is because the public school system is failing. Now, we can argue about why it's failing. Funding, whatever. We can argue about why. But we can't argue that it isn't because it is. Less than 50% of our children are reading at grade level at third grade. That you are tying someone's arms behind their back when you do that. Um, I've, I've told this story many times in public and on this show. I was a terrible high school student. I was a maniac in high school. My parents were divorced. I was the oldest, couldn't be controlled, and just went to, went to work. I wanted to work. I wanted to grow up. I wanted to be an adult, and I wanted to work. I gave up my childhood like an idiot. And I went to work. I was a horrible student, but I'm pretty smart. And I had a good foundation. In elementary school, I learned to read. I know that sounds very silly that, you know, if you have an elementary school education, I read very well. I can retain information very well. I can convey a thought. Um, I can do math. I can perform math skills. So when I got serious in my life, when I turned 18 and found the trade that was going to feed me for most of my adult life as an electrician, when I decided I wanted to begin to learn that trade and become good at it, I had the skills. I could go to classes and read big words. And I know that sounds silly, and I don't mean it to sound silly. There are a lot of people that can't with a high school diploma, some with college degrees. They can't read very well. And we have to remember, if we're going to empower our children to get out of poverty, stay out of poverty, to excel in life, to, to become better in life, we got to empower them in education. The education is what's going to get them to the next level, whatever it is. When you become serious and you want to do something, having the skills to be educated means everything, everything. Coming up just after 11 o'clock, we're going to speak with Christina Carilla. She is over at Fox 10. But one thing we have in common is I grew up in Fort Myers, and she worked in Fort Myers, Florida. We're going to talk about this hurricane and get an update on the damage. It's beginning to make landfall with um, current weather conditions of, of uh, storm damage that they've never seen. So we'll do all of that coming up here next.